Well, good evening, Las Casas family. I hope y'all are doing well. Um, thank you for just tuning in again, just as always, to our midweek service live stream, just as we continue our sermon series, just going through the Sermon on the Mount called Kingdom Minded, that uh, we look at just what does it truly mean to be a follower of Christ. And so we're currently going through the be attitudes and just looking at the attitudes we are to have as we follow Christ, but also the blessings that come from that. And I think it's so fitting just uh, and just right now in the season that we're in, just truly understanding, okay, what does it look like to be a follower of Christ? Not just every, not just during the season, but every day. But I think it's so applicable to this time. And so uh, if you haven't been following along with us, it's your first time tuning in. Uh, this whole purpose behind kingdom minded, the thought behind it, is that a Jesus, before he started his ministry, he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And repent is meaning it's a change of thinking that leads to a change in action. And so if we have truly repented of our sins and our old way of living, and if we have turned to Christ, that means our mind is no longer thinking of the earthly things, but focused on heavenly things. And so now we want to know what does it look like to not only think about these things, but live for the kingdom of heaven and represent it here and now. So we've been going through the Beatitudes and looking that over. And tonight we're going to be looking at Matthew 5, verse 9, where it's blessed are the peacemakers is what we'll be looking at tonight. And so while I get started, if you want to open up your copy of God's word to Matthew 5, 9, we're going to be looking at uh, blessed are the peacemakers. And, and that's just such a fitting thing as peacemakers because we live in just such a time today, just a day and age where just everything seems to be so contentious, where it just seems like anything could be confronted on some way, shape, or form. I mean, even if we look just currently right now, as we slowly start seeing states, let's say, open back up, is that everyone has just different thoughts and different feelings and different just views on the matter and can get pretty contentious at times. And that for some, there might be real fear. There might be some that there's real just, uh, just discomfort during this whole thing. And so with all this, how are we just as, as Christians to respond? How are we as Christians not only to respond to things like this, but to respond in everyday life? How are we supposed to be peacemakers? How do we follow the example of Christ? And so I want us to look at that tonight because it's not just applicable for right now. Let's say as we go through social media and see these things, or even let's say if we go into a general election as we do a few months down the road and how we could see things really play out. But how does it look like throughout all of life, throughout all different seasons to be a peacemaker? Because here's the thing. We as just fallen, sinful human beings, just we are prone to either be passive when it comes to confrontation, that we want to avoid it like the plague. We, we want nothing to do with it and kind of stay over here where we're at. Or some of us that we are full on, full steam ahead, can be very aggressive and run towards those kind of things. But what I want us to look at tonight is just how we are to respond as Christians in fact, if you're following along with your notes, the main point I want us to get out of the passage is this, is that the gospel commands us and empowers us to be reconcilers. The gospel commands us and empowers us to be reconcilers. That, that what it means to be a peacemaker, it's not something where we are just a passive, peaceful person. But it doesn't mean that we're just aggressive, full steam ahead, but we are actively loving others and we're actively trying to, to bring peace into situations, into people. 
And so I want us to look at that tonight. That we, if you have your copy of God's Word, again, we are in Matthew chapter 5, looking through the Sermon on the Mount. And tonight we're going to be looking at Matthew 5, verse 9. Matthew 5, verse 9, where it says this. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Let's pray real quick. Dear Lord, just thank you just so much for tonight. Thank you that you are just the God of all peace, the peace that surpasses all understanding, as Pastor Kenneth mentioned this morning in his devotional. And so I pray, dear Lord, just over the span of these next several minutes, you will just help us tune in to what you have uh, to teach us through your inspired word that through it you will just uh, convict us of sins to confess to you. You will give us encouragement during this season and all seasons, that you will equip us even more to be the people of God that you've called us to be. And I pray through all this, you'll conform us that much more into the image of your son, Jesus Christ, that we will follow him that much more diligently, that will be that much more of a witness for him, and we'll be able to point others to him. It is only by just the power of the gospel. It is only by your grace we're able to do this. So over these next several minutes, help us focus, free us of any distractions, and just have me as your servant hide behind your cross and let your word speak for itself. That your truth will be what takes root and just produces fruit. And just anything that is my opinion will just uh, go away and not be remembered. So I pray all of this in Jesus' holy, precious name. Amen. So if you've been following along with us the past few weeks, as we look through just the Sermon on the Mount, as we look through specifically the Beatitudes, we look at how there's two different parts to each thing. There is the front half of the verse, which is the attitude we are to have. And then the second half of the verse is just the blessing that comes from having that attitude. And so tonight, what we're looking at, the attitude that we are to have is this, is we are to be lovers of others. We are to be lovers of others. It says, blessed are the peacemakers. And so, because here's the thing, if we are to be peacemakers, if we are to be reconcilers as the gospel commands us to be, then the only way we can truly desire reconciliation, like with someone or between someone, is if we truly love and care for someone. But, but how can we truly love and care for someone if, we, let's say, we are completely at odds, if we are completely opposite with one another? Here's the thing, it is only by the power of the gospel that this is possible. To be able to see people as God sees them. That we look beyond the surface of someone and see someone made in the exact same image of God as we are. That that we look beyond the surface and we see someone whom Jesus died for on the cross. That we look beyond the surface and see someone that God desires to be reconciled back to himself, to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth, as it says in 1 Timothy 2, 4, where it says God desires all to be saved and all to come to the knowledge of truth, to all come to a saving knowledge and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. It is only by the power of the gospel that we're able to do this. It is only by being able to see through the lens, this gospel lens, that we are able to see others in this way. And that we desire to see others reconciled to God. And we desire to see reconciliation between other people. So that begs the question is this, is do we see people beyond the surface level? Do we look 
past? Do we look past just skin? And do we look just beyond that? Do we look at the heart of someone? Do we judge someone based off, let's say, their social status? Their, let's say, position at work or their position on a sports team? Do we judge someone, let's say, based off their social media? What they post, what they like, what they follow, what they comment? Something that pictures that they might post as well? Do we judge someone based off maybe their favorite sports team or the school they go to or where they live? Do we judge someone, let's say, based off of their political ideology? Do we base someone, do we judge someone based off, let's say, the theology that they hold to? Or, or do we look at them as, as God calls us to, as Christ did in Matthew 9, 36 to 38, where it said he looked upon the crowd and he felt compassion for them, that they, were, they looked helpless and harassed like sheep without a shepherd, that we are to view these people in the exact same way, that we are to view people that, that do not truly have the peace of Christ as someone that is helpless and harassed, someone that is in need of Christ, that, that they're sheep without a shepherd, that we want to point them to the great shepherd. That is what we desire to be because as it says in this passage, it says, blessed are the peacemakers. We are called to be peacemakers, that, that we are makers of peace, as this says. But if we are to understand what we are called to be, so if we are called to be, let's say, a peacemaker, then we need to understand what peacemaker means. And so here is, here is our definition for what a peacemaker is. It is this. It is a mediator who tries to bring about harmonious relations between two opposing parties. So a mediator is someone who comes between two people, two opposing parties, two opposing people, and tries to reconcile that, tries to bridge that, tries to bring that back in our harmonious relationship. And of course, just as all these other beatitudes that we look at, the perfect example, the ultimate example, the only example that we can truly follow of what it looks like to be a peacemaker is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus gave us the greatest peace that we could ever have, and that is peace with God. In fact, in Ephesians, it gives a just beautiful example of what this looks like, of just how, how Christ has truly brought peace. Listen to what it says in Ephesians 2, 14 through 18. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one, and it has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commands expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, we have both access in one spirit to the Father. Jesus showed us the greatest example of peace that he came in and he broke down the wall of hostility that we had, not only with one another, but ultimately and most importantly, broke down the wall of hostility that we had between us and God. That we see that even more that Jesus showed us the greatest love there is. How it says in Romans 5, 8, that while we were yet sinners... Christ died for us. That while we were still in rebellion against God, 
while we were still just at odds, at complete and utter odds with God, Jesus still came down and died on the cross to be able to bridge that chasm between us and God, to break down that wall of hostility between us and God. That Jesus was just, he took on flesh and lived a perfect, sinless life to go die on a cross to pay for the penalty for all of our sins for all of time. It's because of our sins that we are separated from God. It is because of our sin that we are not at peace with God. That instead, we are, because of our sin, we are separated from God, that we are enemies of God, and we are children under wrath. But here's the thing. Christ loved us so much. Christ, the creator of the universe, the creator of you and I, he came down to earth and he submitted himself to his own creation, knowing that there would be people that would reject him, knowing that there would be people who would despise him, knowing that there would be people who would yell out, crucify him and whip him and beat him and just awful, excruciating things. Yet he still loved them. He still loved us to the very end. He literally loved us to death. That, that he, he went to the cross despite all of that so that he could break down that wall of hostility. So that we could truly be back in a right relationship with God. That he is truly our perfect and only mediator between us and God. That he was able to bridge that and make us back in harmonious relationship with God. Jesus is the only one that could do this. Jesus paid our debt in full and bridged that eternal chasm between us and God so that we might be reconciled back to God, that we could be called friends of God, that we can no longer be children under wrath, but children under grace, that we could truly have peace with God, that we can truly be reconciled back to God. Here's the thing, it is only by the finished work of Jesus Christ that we're able to do this. It is only by the finished work of Jesus Christ that we're able to have peace with God. It is only by repenting of our old way of living. It is only by repenting of our sins, repenting of these ways that we've been rebellious against God and that we believe in Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross, that he is enough, that his work is enough. And that brings us back into a right relationship with God. They were able to have peace with God again. They were able to be reconciled back. It is only by Christ we're able to do these things. And so that is the example we look at is what it means to be a peacemaker. How when Jesus came down, he lived a perfect sinless life and he continually loved people and served people along the way. He was a servant to God, even to the point of death, death on a cross, as Philippians says. So here's the thing we must understand first is that it is so easy for us to look around and see things that are at odds, see people that are at odds, see situations that where there's just unrest in things. But before we can ever focus on those things, we must first focus on ourselves. In fact, we must look within ourselves first. It is this love and peace that Christ showed us through his life and on the cross that will transform the world. That it is this love and peace that only comes from the gospel that we are able to, that we are to go out and proclaim to others. It is only by this love and peace that we're able to be reconciled of others and we're able to be lover of others and care for others and feel compassionate for others. But here's the thing. And as you'll see in your notes, it says this. Before we can be a reconciler of Christ or a reconciler of others, we must first be reconciled to God. 
That before we can be a reconciler of others, we must first be reconciled to God. Before we can go out and try to be the mediator between two opposing parties. Before we can be, go out and be the mediator, let's say between us, between other people and God, is that we must first be reconciled to God ourselves. We must first have this peace. In fact, uh, in the next thing you'll see in your notes, it says this. Before we can be a peacemaker for God, we must first have the peace of God. That we cannot be a peacemaker for God until we have the peace of God to tell others. But we cannot experience the peace of God until we have peace with God. So here's the thing. We, we, can, we cannot start going out and telling others about Christ and telling others about this peace of God without being able to have that peace of God within us first. Without experiencing that first. Being able to call upon him to be able to show that to others. But here's the thing, we cannot truly be able to show that to others and be able to show others the peace of God and experience that peace of God, that peace that surpasses all understanding and all comprehension without first having peace with God. And the only way we can have peace with God is by repenting of our sins, by turning to Christ, by believing in him and being reconciled back to him, by being brought back into a right relationship with him. That we, as we see the other Beatitudes, that we see our spiritual poverty, that we see our need for Christ, that we mourn over sinfulness, and that we desire to make him known. That is what we are to do. We must first be reconciled to God. Because here's the thing, as with mourning over sin around us, as with desiring to see righteousness reign in the society around us, it is the same with wanting peace around us. That it starts with us. We must first Focus on ourselves. We must first look within ourselves before anything else. That yes, we, we look out and we see just we see civil unrest in so many things. Maybe we see maybe we see just just broken relationships within a family. Maybe we see just just difficulties amongst nations and that strife that comes between them. That we look at and we see, let's say, all this evil around us. We see all this sinfulness. Just that, that sin infects and infests and we say, why? But the first thing we must do first, the only way we can truly see transformation uh, just outwardly is if we have transformation inwardly, which means this, peace must be experienced internally before we can ever experience it externally. That before we can ever truly uh, experience and see peace rule and reign in our society and people around us, seeing broken relationships mended, seeing, seeing just wars cease, seeing all these things just come to peace, we must start with ourselves. We must experience the peace of God internally first. That when we truly are transformed by his peace internally, naturally the byproduct will be that we live that out and we point others to Christ. We're able to see that natural byproduct of being transformed internally and as we outwardly proclaim it. But the thing is, we first must be internally transformed. A way I would, let's say, a silly kind of example I would use to describe this is, let's say, uh, I was trying to sell you an iPhone. Let's say I was trying to sell you an iPhone and I was saying, man, this is the re- I'm trying to give you all the reasons why it's incredible. Look at all the different features you can use. Look at just how user-friendly it is. Look at how just incredible you can do. All the amazing things that you can do with your iPhone. And then maybe you start asking me about, okay, I'm, I'm kind of intrigued by this. Um, and then you say, well, what about you? How, how was your experience with the iPhone? And I just say, well, actually, I, I have an Android. 
I, I just have an Android phone. I really don't deal with iPhone. I really don't deal with it too much. Uh, in many ways, it's not my cup of tea. What, what's going to be your response to that and reaction to that? You're going to think, well, how are you going to try to sell me on, let's say, this iPhone, this phone that, that, you, that you talk about and that, that you say these things, but you yourself, uh, you, you don't buy into it. You yourself don't even have one. You yourself are, are, are living kind of opposite of, of, of what you're saying and trying to sell me. In, in, a, in, a, slight, in, in, a, in a different way, in, in, a, in a similar way, is, is that how can we expect people to buy into the truth of the gospel if we haven't bought into it ourselves? Is that how can we truly say, look, if you truly want peace with God, that if you truly want to be reconciled back to God, if you truly want to see these things change, then believe in the gospel. But, but if our lives aren't reflecting that, if we truly are living a life that's not reflecting Christ, if we are truly living a life that is still at odds with God, then how can we expect other people to buy into the beauty and the truth and the transforming power of the gospel if we yet first ourselves have not received that same power, that same transforming power? So let me ask, let me ask you this. Have you received peace with God? Have you been able to receive peace with God first? Have you been reconciled back to God in a right relationship with him? Or are you trying to, let's say, change the external situations around you, the external circumstances surrounding these things? Are you trying to seek peace through, let's say, physical means? Whether it be money, whether it be just different possessions, whether it be whatever the case is. Are you trying to seek peace, let's say, through political means? The, let's say we're looking to the government. That, that they could be the ones that, that establish peace and they're the ones that, that we look to this. We're going to look to them and the policies and everything else. That they'll be the ones that set this up. Do we look through, let's say, uh, peace through uh, military means? So that, that we look to them and say, okay, they'll be the ones that establish these things. Nothing is inherently wrong with any of these. There's nothing inherently wrong with, let's say, physical means, with the government, or even with the military. What I'm saying is only true transforming peace will only come from the gospel. It will only come from Christ. And that we must first receive and believe that first. Because here's the thing. Of course, we want to see wars cease. Of, of course, we want to see, let's say, political arguments cease. We, of course, we don't want to see that, let's say, on social media, how, how people can just tear each other down on things. Of course, we want to say we want to see broken relationships mended. We want to see prodigal sons and daughters that are far off come back to God and come back home. Of course, we want to see these things. Of course, we want to see that family member or friend be at peace. Of course, we want to see that loved one truly come to a saving relationship with Christ. We desire that. If we have truly believed in the gospel, we see the beauty of it. It should break our hearts to see these things. That as it says earlier in the Beatitudes, that we are to mourn over these things. But before we do that, it starts with us. We got to make sure it starts with us. That before we see the world change, we must change. We can only change by the gospel and believing in it. Before we can see peace in the world, we must first have peace in ourselves. Peace with God. Before we can see the peace of God go out. 
that only comes through the finished work of Jesus Christ that gives us peace with God, to be able to experience and receive the peace of God, and then to go out and be a peacemaker for God. That when we finally have peace with God, we will experience the love and peace of God. That when we truly have our eyes opened just to see our need for a Savior, and we believe in him and receive him. Oh, just, just the overflow of just peace that comes into our hearts, that will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Oh, the love that he lavishes upon us, the love, in fact, that he loves us so much that he sent his son to die for us, that we could be called sons and daughters of God. When we truly understand what Christ has done to reconcile us back to himself, it will radically transform the way we view people and the world around us. Instead of our hearts, let's say, being hardened to the people around us and our hearts callous to, let's say, what we see happening around us, it will break our hearts and it will soften them to those around us. It will break our hearts to what we see happening around us. It'll soften our hearts to want to be able to reach out to others, to be that helping hand, to be those people that go to, let's say, the widows and orphans, that go to the least of these and the greatest of these, that go to all the ends of the earth proclaiming Christ and seeing him be proclaimed and seeing him rule and reign and seeing through the power of the gospel people being transformed. It will cause us the desire to go out and tell others about Christ and see their lives transformed. That is the attitude we are to have. We have this attitude. We have experienced the love of God and we have received peace with God and become a child of God. Then we will desire to see others experience the same thing. That, that, we, will, that we will truly love others. That we will love others and we will desire others to truly become a child of God just as we become a child of God. And so when we have this, we desire to see others experience the same thing. We have this attitude then that will lead us to our second main point, And that, that's the blessing that comes with this attitude, which is this, is that we are recognized as children of God. We are recognized as children of God. It says, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. Now what sons of God means, this, it just means collectively, it is children of God, uh, children of God regardless of age. That, that we desire to see others have peace with God and experience the love of God. And so to see the love and peace of God reign around us, then we'll be recognized as children of God. That as we have received this gospel, we now want to go out and proclaim this gospel. That we want to live it out and we want to just proclaim it as much as we can and see others come to know Christ. That is how we recognize as children of God. And we recognize as children of God in two different ways. There's, there's later, later down the road when, when Christ returns and we, and we are truly recognized as his children and enter into heaven. And there's also the here and now. So, so when we are recognized later, it'll be those who have peace with God now, that have truly repented and believed in the Lord Jesus Christ now. That when they do that, they're eternally secured and they will have peace with God forever. That, that it is those who have repented of their sins, believed in Christ, and desire to make him known, that we will experience the love and peace of God in heaven forever, that we'll experience that new Jerusalem as Pastor Kenneth has been preaching about, that that's where we'll be when we truly have peace with God. Because you're saying the kingdom of heaven is characterized by peace. And so we will be recognized later as that, but we also be recognized right now as sons of God, as children of the most high king, that 
We are recognized as children of God by representing God right now to the world around us. That the peace of God, the peace and love that we have experienced that has transformed our life will be evident by how we live our life. That the way we talk, the way we act, the way we live, all of that will change. That, that, that all of that, people will see that transformation in our life. People will see that. It will stir a desire in our souls to tell others how they can experience this same peace and love. It's, it's a way I would describe this, uh, an illustration I would give for us to understand even more of this, is imagine, imagine that you found the cure for cancer. Just, just how, how exciting that would be. That, that, you, that you found just a cure of something that plagues so many families and so many people. That leads just to so much destruction and hurt and pain and loss. And you've been able to find the cure for cancer. That if you found this and that you were able to, let's say, cure yourself of cancer, you would want to go out and you would want to tell others about that. That you would want to be able to give this out to anyone you could. That you would want to give this out to anyone that's suffering from that. That you don't want them to suffer anymore. Well, in that same way is that, that we truly have the cure for the unrest we see in the world, which is the gospel. It is only by the power of the gospel that we will see peace rule and reign. It is only by the power of the gospel that we will, that we will see uh, parties opposed to each other come back in a harmonious relationship. It is only the way, it's the only way we will see broken relationships mended. That's the only way we'll be able to see that, that we could try to transform everything as much as we can externally, change all the circumstances, everything surrounding it. But it's only when we're transformed internally that we will see these things happen. That, that people will see the love of the Father in us. That he has given us that we might be called children of God, as it says in 1 John 3, 1. Or how it says in John 13, 34 through 35, how Jesus says, They will know that you are my disciples by your love for one another. By our love for one another as followers of Christ. That is how the world will know that we are his followers. That is how the world will know that we are children of God and recognize that is by our love for one another. That, that we are people who don't, let's say, get caught up in all that's going on. That, that we are people that don't just stand up and just shout when we, when we see things. But instead, we, instead of shouting, we serve. We're quick to serve. That... We are people who aren't, who aren't just going out there and, let's say, shaking our fists at others as we might see others doing. But instead, we wash other people's feet. That we don't get caught up, let's say, in all of the anger and hysteria and everything else that can come about. But instead, we, we seek to bring peace in the middle of all of that hysteria. The peace of God. That in the middle of that, we proclaim a gospel saying, look, all of you are looking for answers in every different way. But you're looking for it in all the wrong places. That it is only by the power of the gospel. It is only in the message of Christ. It is only by repenting of these ways and believing in Christ and receiving him as Lord and Savior that we will see true change as people desire. So if we are known, if, if we as followers of Christ saying we will be known by our love for one another, then let's ask us this. Does this kind of love characterize your life? Does this kind of love that loves one another, regardless of, let's say, everything surrounding them, regardless of, let's say, someone's social stature, regardless of where they come from, regardless of their background, their story, their ideologies, their theologies, 
Does this love that Christ has for us, that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. This same love that Christ showed us, that we might be called children of God, do we extend that same love to others? Does that characterize our life? Are we quick to, let's say, we're on social media and we see different things that can maybe get us really going and really just, just get really, like, it's really excited or really angry, whatever the case is, when we see these things? Are we quick to reply to comments and posts on social media? Or are we quick to pray? We're quick to pray for these situations and pray for these people and pray for ourselves. That we make sure we're not quick to get angry or quick to speak, but we're slow to speak and we're slow to anger. We're quick to pray and turn things to God. Or this, let's say when we are wronged, are we quick to apologize or are we quick to hold a grudge? Are we, as soon as we're wrong, we hold on to that and we bury that and that is what bothers us. We cling to that. Or are we quick to apologize and forgive and just let it go and give it over to God? When you're wronged, are you quick to seek revenge or are you quick to seek reconciliation? That, that when someone wrongs you or let's say you are overlooked at something are we quick to want to hold that grudge and seek revenge on them? Are we quick to want to seek reconciliation for these things and be the mediator between these things? Do we serve others, let's say, with a heart of humility and love, or we just make it more of like a chore? Okay, I'll just, I'll just do this just because I have to. I'll, I'll go ahead and do this just so I, can, so I can check it off the list or get it over with. Or is it truly a heart so radically transformed by just the example we see in Christ and the love that he has for us and the grace that he lavishes upon us that we want to do these things, that we want to go and serve others just with a heart overflowing with love for our Savior and for others and with a joy that can't be just hindered or tainted by any sort of the world circumstances. Ultimately this, when people see us, Do they see Christ glorified through our life? When people look at us, do they see more of Jesus? Because with our lives, we are either pointing people to Jesus or pointing people away from Jesus. That there is no middle ground on this. So as followers of Christ, do our lives reflect the one that we are proclaiming to follow? Because here's the thing, as we see in our notes is this, if we are truly saved by Christ, then we will represent Christ. That if we have truly been saved and transformed by Jesus Christ, then we will want to represent Christ. That if we are children of God, if we are children under grace, if we are children of God the Father, then we will reflect the heart of the Father. And here's the thing, the heart of the Father is this, it's reconciliation. It's reconciliation. The heart of the Father is that people be brought back into a right relationship with him. It's for people to be restored. It's to not see bad people become good, but it's to see people that are spiritually dead become spiritually alive only by his grace, We are saved by grace through faith and to see people becoming from spiritual death to spiritual life and living for him well. That is what God desires. Here's the heart of the Father. It's Matthew 5, 43 through 48, where it says, we are to love our enemies and we're to pray for those who persecute us. That we're to not just love those who love us back. He says, even the tax collectors do that. 
that, that they give and they, we can give and expect something in return. Well, even the tax collectors do that. But instead, we are to be people that not only love those who, who return that love back, we are to love those who might not return that back. We are to give without any sort of expectation of a return. That is how we are to live, that we are to be as, as Christ does in John 13, that we wash feet. That that is one of the most humbling examples we see is Jesus, the creator of everything. The creator of everything humbles himself and washes his disciples' dirty, disgusting, nasty feet. Including Peter, who he knew was going to deny him three times. And including Judas, who was going to betray him for 30 pieces of silver. That regardless... Jesus knew what he was going to. He was going to go to the cross. And he was going to die saying, saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Knowing all these things so he could bridge the gap. So that he could mend that broken relationship and bring us back into a right relationship with God. That we preach Christ crucified and for people to repent and believe. That is what God desires us to do. God sends us out to do these things. Now, here's the thing. When we go out and we proclaim this gospel and we live out this gospel, there will be different reactions to it. In fact, that when we try to proclaim this gospel of peace, there might be others who are offended by it. How even in Matthew 10, 34, Jesus says, I've not come to bring peace, but a sword. Because here's the thing, the gospel, the truth of it all, it, 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 the truth will divide. But at the same time, the truth sets people free. Yes, the truth might divide, but the truth brings people from spiritual death to spiritual life. The truth might divide, but the truth also brings true peace to situations. Excuse the thing, this truth of the gospel, it confronts people with sin in our hearts. It, it confronts people with our rebellion against God and our need for a savior. That's what the gospel does. But here's the thing. We are still actively to seek harmonious relationships with others, but not at the, but not at the expense of proclaiming the gospel to those people as well. But yes, we are to live at peace with others, and we are to have good relationships with others. We are to serve others, and yes, have that harmonious relationship between us and, let's say, the world or those around us, but not at the expense, not at sacrificing, being able to proclaim the gospel as well in that that we are to still continue to proclaim the gospel to others. A different, the ways different people might react to it, I would describe it as this, is, is, is imagine that that person you are trying to reach with the gospel, imagine that person has been standing in the middle of an extremely very dark room for years. Their eyes have adjusted to the darkness, everything else, and you flip on the switch. I mean, what's going to be their first reaction? They're going to cower. They're going to squint. It's, it's going to be maybe even painful at first because they've been living just in this darkness for so long and someone flipped on the light for them to be able to hopefully see. And so initially they might be, they might be angry. They might be, why would you do that? Why would you flip on the light and, and do that? Expose my eyes to that. It, it hurts. But at the same time, over time, the prayer is as we continually preach the gospel, as we continually live out the gospel, as we continually have those conversations, is that it's by the power of the gospel, it will soften that person's heart. It will work on that person. So eventually it will break through and they will receive Christ. That as you flip on that light switch, yes, initially their eyes might be squinting and hurting and painful and adjust, but slowly but surely they will eventually be able to see. They'll be able to see 
They can say, I once was blind, but now I see. That is what we're to do when continually proclaim the gospel, is that there might be people that we are first flipping on the light switch when they first initially hear this, and they, they're not going to respond the best, per se. But we still pray for them. We still serve them. We still go to them. Because I'm sure for us, it's not like we believed in the gospel first thing when we heard it. Some of us might have resisted for a while until eventually saw our need for Christ, until our eyes were open and we repented and believed and received Christ. We're continually supposed to do these things. Yes, continue to seek that harmonious relationship with someone, but not at the sacrifice of not proclaiming the gospel. Because here's the thing, when we do this, we will need the power of the Holy Spirit. We will need the power of the Holy Spirit because it's only by the power of the Holy Spirit that any of this is possible. In fact, it says in Romans 8.14 that all who are led by the Holy Spirit are called sons of God. So that is some, it's the Holy Spirit working in and through us that people will recognize that we are children of God as we proclaim him, that they will be able to become children of God as well. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to empower us and guide us as we go out and proclaim it. It is only by the power of the Holy Spirit that brought us from spiritual death to spiritual life. And it is only by the power of the Holy Spirit that others will be brought from spiritual death to spiritual life. In fact, how it says uh, in Romans, how it is the power of the same power that rose Jesus from the grave is also alive in us and raises us from the grave. And so the encouraging thing about that, as you'll see in your notes, is this. If the Holy Spirit can resurrect Jesus, then he can resurrect anyone. If the Holy Spirit can resurrect Jesus Christ, and he can resurrect anyone, he can resurrect anyone, no matter how far off they seem to be, no matter how hardened their hearts might be to God, no matter how callous their hearts might be to the gospel, no matter how much they don't want to hear it, no matter how much they might not want to be around it, no matter how much they don't care about it, no one, no one is too far gone from the grace of Christ. No one is ever too far gone that they can't be brought back into a right relationship with God. That's encouraging. That's good news. That's exciting to know. That's that's comforting to know as we do these things. Because the same power that rose Jesus from the grave raises us from the grave and is indwelt in us. So the same spirit that rose Jesus from the grave is the same spirit that raises us from the grave, but also lives within us and guides us and helps us so we can understand more about Christ, so we can understand the gospel more, so we can go out and proclaim the gospel more, so we can be conformed more into the image of Christ, become more and represent God the Father well, so that we can say, hey, be reconciled back to God. The, God, the Holy Spirit will not only give us peace with God, but peace with any sort of circumstance we face. It says in John 16, Jesus says that you will face tribulations in this world. But take heart, I've come to give you peace. And take heart because I've overcome the world. The thing is, Holy Spirit will give us the mercy we need to show others. The Holy Spirit will help us as we desire and strive for righteousness. The Holy Spirit will help us with that. And satisfy our desire for that to become more like Christ. And to make sure we are representing Christ while showing others. That, that we live out 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21, where we say, any, if anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation. And how since we've been reconciled to God, we've reconciled back to God by the gospel, we have now been given the same gospel, this message and ministry of reconciliation. 
that now that we've been saved by us, we go out and we do proclaim these things, that we are ambassadors for Christ, that we proclaim that Christ or that God made him who knew no sin to be sin so that we might become the righteousness of God, so that we might, that we might be brought back to a right relationship with God, that yes, as it says in Ephesians 2, that we were dead in our trespasses, we were dead in these things, we were at odds with God, that we were living out the principalities of the air and following those things, but God, who is rich in mercy with the great love that he had for us, made us alive in Christ brought us back into a right relationship with him. And that, that is a call we give to everyone. That means anyone, regardless of how far away they are, regardless of what the situation is, regardless of the external circumstances surrounding it, that does not hinder this gospel message that anyone can be brought back into a right relationship with them. Again, before we can see transformation around us, we must first see transformation within us. Before we can have peace in the world, we must see the world have peace with God first. It starts with us. And let us be known, let us be known as people who cultivate peace around us only by the power of the gospel. Let us be, let's be known as people who love others and are recognized as children of God. Let us be known as people who desire to see others find true peace by people believing in the gospel and receiving Christ as Lord and Savior. So let me ask you this. Have you experienced this peace of God? Have you truly experienced this peace of God that surpasses all understanding, that is beyond any sort of circumstance, that is literally out of this world, that guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus? that empowers us and guides us as we go into a world in need of peace. We go into a fallen, sinful world with fallen, sinful human beings with so much unrest and so many many difficulties that we're able to bring this peace to them. Have you truly experienced this peace? Maybe there are some of you that are are watching this for the first time and that that you are not a follower of Christ, you're not a believer in Christ, that that maybe you've heard it, but just never been your thing. But maybe during this season, or maybe there has been times where you just look, I'm running to every which way. I'm trying to find this peace for my, just the unrest within my soul. And nothing seems to work. That I've tried all these things. I've tried anything the world offers me and none of it satisfies. That is because it will never satisfy. It is only By the power of the gospel, it's only by repenting of those ways and pursuing the world and turning to Christ and believing in him that you can truly have peace within your soul because you'll have peace with God, the creator of the universe, the one that calls us, the one that longs for us, longs for all people to be saved, that all who confess with their mouth that Jesus Lord repent, they will be truly saved. That can happen tonight, that you can have peace tonight, that you might think you're way too far gone, you've committed too many sins, you've made, messed up too many times, there's no way God could truly forgive you of these things and have peace. I'm here to encourage you tonight with this, that if our sins were too great for God, Jesus would still be buried in the grave. That's not how the story goes. He was resurrected out of the grave, that he's ruling and reigning right now at the hand of the Father being the mediator between us and God. And we call upon him and we believe in him. We can be reconciled back to God. So if you are, let's say, a person that is not a follower of Christ, you've never believed in him, I beckon you, believe in Christ today. Maybe there are some of you that you are, that you are a believer, but you are struggling right now. You are struggling right now and, and it is difficult and you have a lot of unrest that maybe you've, you've lived in ways that, that are opposing to God. My encouragement for you tonight is come back to God. 
you can still experience that same peace. Or maybe you're dealing with difficulties right now. As PK said this morning is devotional. That, that you can bring all of your prayers, all of your petitions, everything to God. He can handle it. He can handle all of it. And he will give you a peace that surpasses all understanding. That will flood out all those and guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And then maybe there are some of you that are believers and that you're doing really well and that you are truly pursuing and that you are truly being able to proclaim Christ and you feel really good about that. My encouragement for you is, again, continue to proclaim the gospel to yourself. Never forget where the peace comes from. Never forget where that comes from. And to be able to come alongside, let's say, the unbeliever who, or the believer who is struggling and remind them that we're in this together or come alongside the unbeliever, remind them that they can truly have peace. That is my encouragement for us. Would we be people known that we truly love other people? Will we be known as people that are recognized as true followers of Christ? Will we be recognized as people who are reconcilers? That we go out into this world and say, be reconciled to God only by the gospel, only by believing in it. That he who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God and we might become back into a right relationship with God. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you just so much for your word. Thank you just so much that Christ has died for our sins and that he has been able to bridge just this eternal chasm between us and you. That if we will repent of our sins and believe on you, we can be reconciled back to you. And as we are reconciled back to you, then send us out into a world in need of hope, in need of peace, in need of love, and that we're able to proclaim to them, be reconciled back to God as well. So would you start with us and transform our lives first, then go out and tell others about Christ that they might be reconciled back to God. Would you help us with that, dear Lord? It is only by your grace that we're able to do that. So Holy Spirit, would you empower us? Would you guide us? Would you help us? Even as we slowly start opening back up the economy and everything else, how we can have a lot of worries about these things. Would you give us peace in the middle of this? Would you help us be able to just live out that peace in our daily lives and proclaim that peace to others? so we can see others be truly transformed. It's only by your grace. It's only by the gospel. And it's only by the finished work of Jesus Christ. And it's in Jesus' holy, precious name we pray. Amen.